why you came all the way up here. There's nothing left. Welcome to the Strange Harbors podcast, a weekly discussion of film, television, and pop culture. My name is Jeff Zhang, and tonight I'm joined by Amir Ture and Derek Wong. So this week, we're taking a look at John Krasinski's follow-up to his 2018 hit, A Quiet Place, aptly titled A Quiet Place Part 2. So if I'm correct, Amir, you hadn't seen A Quiet Place Part 1 before, right? So you had to watch both of these movies this past week. Uh, that is incorrect. I did not have to do that. <laughs> <laughs> I did not have to, and I did not. Uh, you know what? I figured the premise sounded uh, pretty simple. I thought I could jump right in without ever seeing the first one, and uh, I was basically right. That's an interesting perspective for you to have, then, not having seen the first one. No, I mean, I, I did a quick Wikipedia skim, because I was like, wait, what the fuck is going on? And I was like, all right, I got this. This is cool. Yeah, I'm actually now interested to hear your opinion, then. <laughs> before I was Oh, now you're now interested. <laughs> yeah, great. All right. Podcast now over. Very Fuck you. I'm before it was just like, I think in that case, I mean, normally we, we have you go somewhere first or in the middle. Maybe we'll have you go last in this case. Uh, Jeff, right. do you want me to go first or do you want to go first? You can go first, Derek. Okay. I guess first I'll, I'll give my impressions of, uh, since, you know, we've never really talked about it, The First Quiet Place, right? This was a movie uh, I thoroughly enjoyed. I thought it was a great kind of directorial debut from John Krasinski. I thought it was a very tight story about this family that's trying to basically survive cataclysmic uh, event of like an alien invasion and i love that it's at its core it's really about parents trying to keep their kids safe right and like how do you do that while also inadvertently also expanding your family i thought it was a really unique showcase of his abilities but also like i love that he cast Millicent Simmons, right, who is actually deaf. That's part of, you know, her character, but also very much part of family dynamic is. I thought that really works in the, in the first one. Um, so, yeah, I really, really loved the first movie. I was definitely looking forward to this one, uh, especially because this was like the movie that was supposed to come out right before the pandemic hit, right? It literally yeah, this movie's like, been like twice delayed already because of the pandemic. I remember, I think it was like original air date was supposed to be like, mid-March of 2020, and that was, like, pretty much when everything shut down, and this was probably the biggest consequence of it right at the beginning. Mm -hmm. um, so, it is great to kind of have this be one of the first movies back, right? Yeah, and it's killed it at the box office. Yeah, it's doing really strong in the box office. I think critically, it's doing really strong. Mm -hmm. So, I, I mentioned this last week, and I, I love watching these things, right? these kind of like breakdowns of a scene with the director. So Vanity Fair did a similar one with John Krasinski where he breaks down the beginning of this movie, uh, the very opening scene of this movie. Before he breaks down that scene, he talks about how initially he did not want to make a sequel for A Quiet Place, right? He thought like, oh, that's just too daunting. Like, how are you ever going to make a sequel better? And then eventually, you know, of course, he convinced himself to make a sequel. Uh, in the end, I thought maybe he should have stayed with his initial thought. Of not making the sequel. You didn't like this? No, nah, uh, hold on. Let me finish. Not because I didn't like it, right? I actually really liked this movie. I thought it was very thrilling. I thought it was tightly made. It was a good movie. I just don't think it's a good sequel. 
it tries its best to expand the world without going in as much depth as I would have wanted. I feel like it's just a rehash of the first movie at parts. And what I felt with the first one was so clever in the world building and the way they dealt with the, the aliens and what they had to do to kind of subvert the whole sound thing was all really clever. In this one, I just feel like it doesn't push it far enough in the realm that I, I feel like this doesn't justify me wanting to go see a sequel of this movie. I, I don't know. Jeff, you probably have a different opinion. Um, I don't know if I have a different opinion. I mean, it's not as good as the first one, that's for sure. But I think it takes everything that's great about the first one and it extrapolates upon it. Mm-hmm. But you're 100% right. This is just a rehash of the first movie. I mean, it hits all the similar beats. It ends on, like... Very similar. Them utilizing the high-frequency weakness of the aliens again. And, uh, I mean, it just hits the same beats again. But I'm actually okay with that because I think a lot of horror or sci-fi sequels, they go too big and they... Mm -hmm blow up their spot kind of you know like just really introducing mythology and stuff that isn't needed and i feel like they didn't do that here and i think it's kind of refreshing yeah i mean we talked about it like two weeks ago with the the spiral right like the saw franchise was is a good example of a franchise that felt like it had to keep pushing right keep making itself bigger it, it was only a detriment to the uh series and i i definitely see what you're saying right i did struggle with this a little bit it does push the world building a little bit more it does push these characters a little bit more and i do appreciate that but then i'm also kind of dissatisfied by the end of it because it also feels like it is setting up for another sequel where the first one felt very standalone i don't know if i could say that as much this movie yeah for sure i mean the scope is bigger but it doesn't go too big yeah but i mean this movie's fucking scary man yeah it is intense it's intense it's scary if you really liked a quiet place i mean you'll like this one too i mean just don't go and expecting like brand new mythology and like seeing the aliens plot on their homeworld or some shit you're not gonna see that here right but, okay well amir i'm actually curious then yeah this is so fascinating because you haven't seen the first one i mean just going off wikipedia you watch the second one going right in kind of blind so i i'm curious to see what your opinion is well i wasn't looking forward to it <laughs> um, <laughs> i was like all right this is a sequel to a movie i already didn't see the first one of so like, i don't know I'm, I'm, i wasn't particularly anticipating it but i did enjoy it i got into it i was definitely missing some context at the beginning that probably would have made the opener hit a little harder but once i realized it was like a pretty good video game plot line i was like into it that's a good point. Like, this does feel very video game-like. This kind of post-apocalyptic world, and, and it, it's it's trying to just get from point A to point B, right? Well, it's the quest. It's the, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's the MacGuffin quest to, you know, build the super weapon so you can defeat the aliens and win the game, right? Like, that's kind of what this is. It's not a super epic quest. It's a very, like, down-to-earth gritty kind of sparse video gamey sort of plot i think it's interesting because we're talking about uh the movie hitting the same beats and rehashing the first movie but you didn't see the first movie so i feel like mm -hmm. a lot of this would be fresher for you yeah 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 i mean i didn't get the sense 
I mean, I guess since I didn't see the first one, it couldn't, but it didn't feel to me like these were rehashed. I thought, mm-hmm. I mean, I'll have to go back and watch the first one, but it feels like these are an, it's an extension of the things they did in the first one. Like, I'm assuming in the first one, they didn't have a radio station to broadcast the high frequency sound and like, right, you right, know, right. stun all the aliens in a wide radius or whatever. Like, I'm assuming that this is like, you know, the Death Star 2 or whatever. <laughs> But it's not quite Starkiller base, right? Like, that's going to be the A Quiet Place Part 3. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm afraid of, and let's hope that that's not it. But I, I could definitely see that being the natural progression to this, if they're trying to make, a, like, a trilogy out of it. Like, how do they save the world now? But I don't know if that's really what I would want to see. You know, I'm just okay if they just left it at this and not make a third one, but... Right, like, this was just good enough that you were, like, happy to see it. It was still an enjoyable experience, but, like, okay, if they try again, is it going to be, like... 10% worse than the last one. And like, it's going to get to a point where you're like, stop making these. Yeah. Maybe it was with the first one. Maybe it's right now, but they're going to get there eventually. I want to circle back around to what you said the other Jeff. You were saying that you thought it was scary. And like, yeah, there were some genuinely pretty scary moments. Like, the one thing I thought that this movie did a lot of, which I'm assuming the first didn't do, is you see a lot of these creatures now, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whereas yes. I feel like in the first Absolutely. one, you didn't really, and it was very alien esque, right? Whereas this is aliens. You're seeing a lot of the fucking alien. You're seeing a lot of them. People are fighting them. People are shooting them. It, it, it's it's mm-hmm. a lot less straight horror and a lot, I don't know, it's video gamey, kind of. Yeah. So, like, this one, the aliens lose a bit of their mystique just because, like, you know, you got a really good glimpse at the end of the first one. Where and mostly they kill, for like, the first a bunch movie. of them in this Yeah, movie. they kill a bunch like, of them. Right, right, right. A lot of them. Like, they're pretty tough, but, like, I don't know. The protagonists have all, you know, leveled up. They've got better gear. Um, yeah, and, uh, exactly. Like the things that were one shotting you before, like now if you kite them a little bit, uh, you can take them out. So <laughs> you learn their patterns, and you got exactly, it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I guess I'll say it was more enjoyable than I thought it would be, even knowing that it was kind of like a Xerox copy of you know what was presumably a better kind of scary or more tense movie. Like I, I enjoyed it more than I thought I would. I liked that they you know had had this deaf actress play this deaf character and they tied all of that together with their you know concept it's cute she's great by the way Millicent Simmons yes very good good. I I actually think both of them are great Millicent Simmons and Noah Jupe as this kind of brother sister duo like I I am a little sad that they were kind of separated from most of this movie because I think their relationship is one of the better ones also in the actually I think the whole family dynamic is a great dynamic yeah I love the family dynamic so it is a little sad for me that you know the, the Reagan character gets separated but just talking about that final scene, I love that kind of intercut between the two of them, like, taking out their individual, like... Crawlers. Uh, a- <laughs> yeah, crawlers or aliens, or whatever you want to call them. Like, I thought that was such a great scene. Mm-hmm. You know, having both of them having this kind of moment of, like, you know, we're, like, we're growing up, we're leveling up, right? If we're going to use the uh, uh, video game analogy, um, you know, both of them getting to kind of kill their own respective uh, alien. I thought that was really powerful. Yeah. I think the first movie is more of like a family affair where each family member gets like a, their chance to shine and each one gets a spotlight. Here, I feel like it's mostly Reagan's story and it's mostly. 100%. Yeah. She's the her, A-plot. Yeah. She's the A plot. She's the one who's going on the quest to, to, to do the thing, right? Yeah. And, and Emily Blunt and Noah Jupe are great, but, but they, they get the, the side shuffle at the at the end, right? Noah Jupe's plotline was, like, tense and everything. And, of course, I'm worried about the baby and him suffocating. Because, to its credit, the show has already proved it's going to kill off children and main characters. 
So it does have a little bit of bite to it, right? Because mm-hmm. um, and here, here's part of the context I'm missing. Um, spoiler alert: If you're an idiot like me and didn't see a Quiet Place one before listening <laughs> to this podcast, um, but when the movie opens up with the flashback to the first day of the invasion, and you see like the happy intact family, if you haven't seen the first one, you don't realize that oh yeah, the four year old gets himself killed uh, yeah, pretty uh-huh. quickly on, and then of course John Krasinski with the heroic sacrifice near the end of the first one, so. Um, not realizing that initially, I was like, oh, this obvious baseball game, like, boring setup is kind of boring. And it's not, I, you know, I didn't feel that tension and looming threat because I didn't realize that, oh, yeah. In my, I mean, I realized obviously the invasion was going to happen, but I didn't know the movie sort of wasn't going to pull punches with the main characters. So when you jump forward to the normal timeline, you're like, wait, didn't they have three kids? <laughs> <laughs> Well, there's three kids um, and a father that are. You know, well, the, the father part, I kind of you could that part yeah. you can kind of guess, but I was like, wait a minute, they killed off a kid? Shit, this this movie yeah. is serious. So that definitely adds to the tension. Yeah, and that happens really early in the first movie too. And, and so that sort of serves as a little bit of like credibility for the movie that oh, like you know maybe they will kill off. Uh, um, sorry, I've already forgotten. I know a Jupe's character. You know, maybe he will mm-hmm. suffocate in the vault or whatever, right? Because there's like. Because the show's proving it, it, doesn't it doesn't always pull its punches. Yeah, it doesn't always. Yeah, um, yeah could so. have, you could have seen a, a world where maybe he like stopped giving himself oxygen so that he could save his little brother or something, right? Or like, vice versa. <laughs> yeah, well, let's not go there. I don't want to go there. <laughs> but yeah, I, I definitely could have seen that. But uh, I feel like this movie definitely kind of pulls its punches a little bit. Like, in the end, none of our main characters die. Okay, spoilers for A Quiet Place 2. Yeah, A Quiet Place 2. Like, none of our main characters die. A nameless Jamon Hansu dies instead. Yeah, like, you know yeah, I mean? yeah, yeah. A unrecognizable Scoot McNary also dies. Like, so I didn't know Scoot McNary was in this. It, was he one of the feral? Not, yeah, he's one of the he boat people. Of the, yeah, the the interesting. The, I had he's, no idea. He's categorized as Marina Man, so I'm guessing he was that main guy. But yeah, I, he was unrecognizable. Like he doesn't speak, so I had no idea that was him until like later. I looked at the cast list, or yeah, you know what I mean, like. Did he have a beard? Yeah, mm-hmm. I think he was the one with yeah, the beard. So it was a little beard, hard to tell right? who he yeah, was. It's, yeah. it's hard to tell, yeah. That's kind of partially my gripe with the movie a little bit. It's just like the world building, it's like it's so slight that it's it's there, but it's you want more? But what more do you want? Right? Like Like it's I uh, it's really hard to Uh yeah, so I'm kind of like I kind of get what you're saying, but I feel like it is a bit of a dumb movie, and if you think too much about it, it's not gonna make any sense. So you mm-hmm. kind of just have to roll with it. And if they did more world building, they would have just put even bigger holes in it. Mm-hmm. And so like, you kind of have to just let them do the thing they're doing, right? And I guess this is the danger of going from like just focusing on one family to expanding out to the greater world is you kind of naturally are going to need more world building to be done and you're going to make more holes, more plot holes as you go. But yeah, I don't know. I, you kind of just got a lot of rock. At least that's how I felt because I, I, I was – at first, I was just like, oh, God, that makes no sense. That makes no sense. I was like, you know what? I got to just enjoy this movie. Like, this is I, – I, I can't nitpick it too hard. So, I don't know. What were you going to say, Jeff? I'm sorry to cut off. Now I'm just going to talk about, like, how much nitpickers love to fucking take apart these movies because that's, like, a big thing with these movies. It's, like, people love to fucking shit on all the plot holes. But, like, if you get hung up on all these plot holes, you're not going to enjoy fucking anything because I feel like mm-hmm. – Anything with a high concept like this, there's always like holes that you can you can poke and and just complain about shit, right? For for this concept, like, well, the aliens are sensitive to sound and they fucking attack and they're blind, 
So wouldn't it make sense that really loud, high-frequency noises would fucking mess them up, right? So once you start using that from the very beginning, also, like, because of this, why would you ever have a kid or whatever during the this, this apocalypse yeah. with these aliens? But, I mean, I don't know, just just roll with it. I mean, you don't really have to think about all this stuff too hard. And I think the film does a pretty good job of not making you think too much about stuff like that. I mean, to answer your question, though, Jeff, from earlier, like, what I would have loved to have seen, maybe just a little bit more about these people. It seems like they were there specifically to target anyone at the boats. Did they figure out the message? Like, are they there targeting people that try to get to this island? Like, do they have some kind of gripe with 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 that? Like, maybe they like the way they, the things are right now. Like, you know what I mean? Like, there's so much depth that could be investigated or, or given. But like, and I just wanted that little bit more because oh, really? it is really you mean fascinating. With, like, the the feral humans and stuff. Yeah. Oh, I'm the opposite. I'm totally fine with how much they didn't say anything about these people. Like, mm-hmm. I don't like that trope of yeah. like post-apocalyptic world and then oh the people are still evil and like there's a faction of fucking assholes going around killing other people it's so tired i don't want to see that you know but that's what these people were though right yeah but i don't want you to go like explore like the origins of why people are fucking dickheads post-apocalypse right like i don't i don't need to see more of this fucking evil people society i don't i don't really care about that stuff that's fair yeah, I mean, if you want to see more of that, I mean, I, I guess that's something that you want to see and can't hold that against you, right? So Yeah. So I was going to ask, uh, what did you guys think of the opening scene? Actually going back in time and, and seeing, I guess, day one of of this. Well, well, well conveniently, I was starting at day one, so it was, all chron- <laughs> it was all in chronological order for me and everything made complete sense. I kind of already talked about it. It, it, it probably didn't hit as hard because I didn't realize that, you know, uh, they do lose the four-year-old until... They jumped forward to the future, but it, it it was fine. Yeah, I thought it was a pretty cool action scene. Like, I thought it was, nif- I guess, a nifty way to get Krasinski back in for a scene, yeah, uh, or a, a sequence. But in the end, I still kind of found myself asking, like, did we really need this? Like, I didn't really. I guess this is the thing I don't care about. Like, I didn't care about day one. Like, I didn't care about like how they got to Earth or uh, like life. The first day of the, the See, attack. I'm, I'm like on the opposite end of the spectrum <laughs> on, uh, with you on all of this because, like, I love to see like people discovering these threats and like uh, the first day of these aliens fucking everything up. I I love that shit. I want to see more of that, you know. And I think like the the blocking of all the shots are great. I think no, it's a great um, sequence. It's though. really well crafted. You know, like when Emily Blunt, she's like driving backwards. And then the bus is, like, careening towards her, and the, yeah. the, the crawler is, like, peeking out of the broken window. That's fucking great. Yeah. And I love how it's, like, it's a one-shot, but it's not really, because he he does break continuity, right? But I love the way he kind of keeps continuity by, like, going from one radio to the other. Like, you know, it's it's the radio in his truck that goes to then the radio in her car. I thought that was all kind of, like, clever things to kind of keep it so that you see both sides of what's happening. like Or see both sides of the family. In this, in this kind of really panicked like uh, state, and, and I thought it was a great way to open the movie. I just kind of question if we really needed it, but in the end, it doesn't matter because it, it was really cool to see. Yeah. What uh, do you guys like the addition of the the Killian Murphy character being this, I guess, family friend that becomes like almost like a father surrogate uh, in this yeah. movie? I liked him a lot, actually. 
he's playing another stock character. I mean, just like the uh, the Marina people were stock post-apocalyptic gangs of assholes. He's like the stock post-apocalyptic jaded survivor. Lo- yeah, jaded survivor who's lost people or whatever. Like he's he's also very kind of right off the shelf, but it, it's fine. He does a good job with it. Yeah, like a stock character. Yeah. No, I I definitely agree with that. I always think Killian Murphy does a great job, so I I always like seeing him. I think he's a very underrated actor. I kind of wish we saw more of him in in other things, but he's he's great here. I I love like his quiet intensity and how that plays off with uh, Millicent Simmons because they're paired up throughout most of the movie, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I love the callback to the opening scene in the flashback where he tells Reagan to dive. With the with the mm-hmm. sign language, mm-hmm. that? that's good. That was great that was too. Yeah, I, I I think he's great. I think the real tropey thing would be for him to be evil somehow, and they didn't do that. And I thought that was kind of cool that they didn't just like you know make him I don't know selfish survivor or or try to fuck over. He, he, start, he started that way, right? He did start off that way, but only out of necessity, right? He's like, oh, I can't I can't take you guys in or whatever, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and I feel like the, maybe the, the most essential thing that I got out of that opening prequel, whatever you want to call it, was this family has a relationship with this person, right? They're from the same right. town. They went to baseball games together. Their kids might have played together or something, you know what I mean? Because they have kids around the same age. That's probably the most crucial information I think I got from that that first scene. Um, so it helps to better establish that, you know, these people have a relationship. Like he does in, in some way care about you know, this family. Yeah, he's not yeah. a random stranger in the apocalypse who decides to be nice to them, right? Yeah. I do have a couple of, I don't know, I'll call them nitpicks. I think they're sort of a little more substantive than that. The first thing is, what's his name? Sorry, Noah Jupe's character? Uh, Marcus. So, his plotline seemed dumb. Like, what the fuck was he doing? He's like, de- decides to explore the foundry. Yes. And for no reason. And then attracts one of these killer aliens. And then, like an idiot, forgets to put the rag on the door that, you know, would prevent him from asphyxiating himself. It's just all, like, unnecessarily dumb shit. Obstacles and stuff, yeah. Yeah, it's just, like, making more work for yourself, which I guess, all right, he's, like, supposed to be a dumb kid, I guess, or whatever. But it's just, like, if the movie's trying to be a smarter kind of movie, maybe they could have had him have a reason to do this stuff. Instead of just, like, what is he doing? Is he just exploring? He's just, like, curious about the foundry where they live? Like... Do you have to go get something? Is he just tired of being alone down there? I don't know. I didn't really follow his motivation. Yeah, that was the one motivation I questioned. Like, why does he want? Why does he have to leave the bunker? Right. Like, I get, I get that his mom is like, oh, we need like, you know, uh, antibiotics and you know, painkillers, or you're, you're like gonna have a rough yeah. Time. They never gave him a reason, like a good reason to leave uh, and explore the the bunker, right? Yeah, he's just like curious or something. He's just like curious and. It just, I don't know, that, that that bugged me. That was sloppy. I'll admit that one was sloppy. Because Evelyn's thing makes sense, because she needs to get the oxygen tanks for, for the baby, right? Right, and antibiotics and uh, the wounds dressing and stuff like that for other, for Noah Jupe's character. So that all made sense. Another criticism of mine, and this isn't like my criticism, I read this somewhere. So, And this is something about the first movie, which I'm pretty sure is also true here in the second one. So there's captions when they do American Sign Language, right? Mm-hmm. But... There's no captions for the speaking parts. Yeah, that's one of the things that I was really bothered about because they took the effort to cast a hearing impaired actress 
but they didn't bother to make the movie accessible to actual deaf people, right? Yeah, it seems mm. like an enormous oversight. Yeah. Oh, for sure, 100%. I mean, this is more like production and release of the movie rather than like the actual contents of the movie, but I, I totally agree. It's part of the content of the movie. I mean, the movie doesn't have, like, doesn't have captions for deaf people to be able to watch this movie. Like, it's just, I don't know, it's bad. But, I mean, like you said, but that's the same criticism that could be afforded to the first movie, right? Because there are parts right. where they so talk in the first both movie. bad on that score, right? I'm not, I'm not defending the first one. A, I haven't mm-hmm. seen it. And B, <laughs> it's, the second one's only worse in that they did it again. Right? Yeah. No one like no one thought to be like, oh, hey, we should fix this glaring oversight from our first movie. There's, there's no excuse for that. I, I totally like, 100% we're, we're, agree. We're basing our movie on deaf people or the main heroine is arguably the main, you know, the A character is both hearing impaired in real life and is playing a hearing impaired character. And the movie is about how, you know, that becomes a, you know, unique inherent part of her heroism or whatever and how she's able to save the day. But you're not going to make the movie accessible to deaf people who might like to see a movie like that, maybe. It just seems really fucking bad. But aren't there ways, I mean, like, each theater has their own way to combat that too, though? I'm not making excuses. That's a very good question. I am curious, um, is that if that's an easy technical fix? If it is, they didn't do it where I saw them. There are definitely ways to do that, because there are definitely movies where you have the option of of having the captions and, and stuff like that. But with this, you would think that they would include it in the print of the movie, right? In the actual like make a conscious choice about it. Yeah, make a conscious choice. And and here it just feels like your representation kind of turned into exploitation a little bit because Absolutely. You have fucking one job, right? For this representation to, to matter, for, for deaf people to be able to go to see this movie and, and be able to to read captions, right? And and they didn't do that. And I I think that really sucks. I do think that sucks. And it feels like it would be like relatively easy to do. Because as you're saying, Jeff, it's something they do for oh, yeah, movies for sure. all the time. So like I don't know. Just do it. Like I don't. I don't. Yeah, it seems like a, a really big missed opportunity, especially if you do it again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, all right, you fucked it up the first time. That's fair. We all make horrible mistakes that kind of like shoot us in the ass. But like, don't do it a second time, right? Yeah, I mean, I'm all for that if that's definitely something that was brought up by like the deaf community to as an issue with the first movie. Like, I don't remember it being. Mm-hmm. An issue, like, I don't remember seeing any articles or any, like, write-ups about it, and maybe just because it wasn't written up doesn't mean it's not an issue, but, like, if that's something that they were out crying for and and wanted and didn't get, then, of course, it's it's definitely a big issue, but at the same time, I don't remember seeing it, (laughs) but maybe that's beside the point. Maybe they should have done it anyway. Yeah, I have no idea if it's, like, in the discourse or not or whatever, but I read it somewhere, and I was like, that's a really good point that I should steal, so here I am doing it. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up, though, because I think it's an important thing to discuss. But I do think, like, a lot of people are learning about, like, representation now and, like, how to do it properly. I think just because this is, like, the second one that they've done this, it makes it a little more egregious. Not a little more, a lot more egregious. But people are still figuring things out. Because I, I remember, you know, the movie Sound of Metal, when that came out, it was open captioned, which, which means that the, the subtitles were burned into the actual movie, right? So, so I mean, they did that right. But a lot of the movies that had, like, you know, when Ruben's, like, losing his hearing and, like, the voices are muffled, they didn't have captions. So that's another part where, like, there's, it's an oversight, you know? Mm-hmm. I think those mistakes right now are pretty easy to make. You just don't think of stuff like that. And then in the end, you're like, oh, fuck, we, we kind of fucked that up. 
But in this case, it's like, there's really no excuse because you did that shit twice. But, uh, switching gears a little bit, I think, uh, John Krasinski is like the anti Quentin Tarantino, I feel. He fucking hates feet. What the fuck, <laughs> man? <laughs> You know what I mean? I mean, yeah. Amir, you, you missed this because you didn't see the first one. But, I mean, I'm sure you read about it. I don't know if you actually know about this, but, like, this is the one scene that everyone talks about for the for the first Quiet Place where, where Evelyn is, like, barefoot and she she steps on that nail. It's like the Chekhov's nail. nail. Yeah, yeah, the exposed yeah. nail on the stair. She steps, like, totally onto it. It goes, like, straight uh, through her yeah. foot. I was like, oh. I kind of love moments like that because it makes you like squirm and I'm, I'm a glutton for punishment, I guess. But I was like, I'm hoping the second one doesn't really have anything because I, I don't think I could take that again. And this one's just as bad. And this one's, I feel like not quite as suspenseful because you don't see it coming. But that bear trap that gets uh, Marcus say. is, oh, yeah. that's That was awful. really good. I, th- I think that's the point in the movie where I was like, all right, I'm all in. I like this movie now. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that was really like horrible and completely got me like worried about him. I was like, oh my God, they have to clean and trust the wound. He needs a antibiotic. Yeah. He needs painkillers. I hope the bone is broken. Like I just I immediately started freaking out for him. Yeah. I was totally into the movie when that happened. I was like, oh man. And Evelyn's like trying to shush him. I'm like, yeah, good luck doing that. I'd be screaming my ass off too. It was fucking that looks horrific. Yeah, that 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 was really good. I really enjoyed that. I rewatched the first one, you know, in preparation for this our, our talk tonight, and I, I do really miss the intentional quiet of the first movie. Like, you know, if you rewatch it or you've watched it recently, you you'll understand that like that movie's very quiet. There's very little dialogue, and it's just a lot of atmospheric sounds and like truly lives up to a quiet place. Yeah, a quiet place. But this movie kind of really becomes essentially just like an action movie. It's a pretty normal yeah. Movie it becomes very yeah. normal with the amount like because you know people are just like freely talking in bunkers now because they soundproof yeah, them right, or right, right. you know like Noah Jube's character of course gets caught a bear trap and like someone's just screaming at the top of their lungs like you know we going back to the, like I love that scene where she steps on the nail because like she wants to scream but she has to control herself right mm-hmm. and of course it's no bear trap right. But she also gives birth in that movie, right? They devise a plan where, like, they can set off fireworks so that she can give off loud screams while she's giving birth. Like, all those, like, whirlwind things are so clever. Like, I don't think we get that as much in this movie because I think the way they approach sound or, like, the the silence is different in this movie. And I, I do miss that from the first movie. They're a little more cavalier about shit like that in this one. And I think for a good reason. I think it's, like, an in-universe reason. But it's definitely lost some of the the sheen of the first one. I, I I do agree. It's like that moment where they they cross the sand, where like they run out of sand. It's like the movie telling you, like, oh, we're we're about to get loud. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I I think it's a it's again an alien to alien sort of thing. You've gone from this sort of I don't know quieter, more pure horror movie to sort of an action movie that's yeah doing a, doing a slightly different thing. Um, I do want to talk a little bit about the kind of like the final sequence right i i the the try I, I call it like the try sequence right it's like the the intercutting between like marcus reagan and you know evelyn where it, it's just so tense like you don't like you feel like one of them is gonna set it off it also feels like even though they're like miles and miles apart from each other like one's gonna set off the other uh, mm. i was just kind of waiting for that kind of tipping point where like 
it just sh- the shit hits the fan and it, it does and i, I do and like think all that three the, scenes yeah yeah like i do think that the last half hour or last bit of this movie is really great though yeah I, this mo- whole movie is just really tense i was like just like gripping my seat like the entire time you know because I, I i do think that they do a really good job of cranking the tension up on this i think the way the monster invades the island is a little kind of hokey also kind of funny I, if you think about it it's pretty fucking funny so in the movie, Reagan and, and, uh, Killian Murphy's character, Emmett, they ventured to this island, right? Cause they, they found out that like the military discovers that the aliens can't swim. So they tried to, uh, get everyone onto this island and, and, um, something set off the aliens and only two of the boats made it, right? So there's like this community with all these people who can like live freely, but when, uh, they're at the marina. One of the monsters, one of the monsters drowns. Right, they it falls into the water and drowns. The other one is stuck on the boat, and that boat ends up drifting to the to island. The island. <laughs> I think that's pretty funny, and uh, I think kind of dumb at the same time, but it's fine. I I think that's what builds up to that final set piece, and and it, it's it's good. If that's what we have to go through to like set up a great final act, I'm 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 okay with that. Yeah, I, I wouldn't say it was tense all through, but there were some surprisingly good tense parts and some jump scares. Mm-hmm. The birds in the train freaked me the hell out. Yeah, me too. They got me a couple of times. I was like, all right, this movie knows what it's doing. But one thing I really liked about it, even though it wasn't tight all the way through for me, it was short. It only goes like 90 minutes. 90 minutes, yeah. Like, this is a huge relief yeah. from like, uh, dude, you could watch three A Quiet Place 2s in the time it takes you to watch one Zack Snyder movie. Yeah, and the first one's just the same. It's it's like another really tight, like, 90 minutes. I really like that. It didn't overstay its welcome. Like, even if you don't like it that much, how much can you hate something that's only 90 minutes? Like, it's fine. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so, I don't know. I, I was pleasantly surprised. And, like, any, like, I don't know, nitpicks or negative energy I would have had towards it is kind of – is in large part mitigated by the fact that it was so short. So, it's not like I, eat, it's not like I had to suffer through something so, so long. Yeah, I don't know. I, I really liked that it was a nice, tight 90 minutes. I enjoyed that a lot. For sure. Um, I was a little surprised when it ended. I was like, oh, it's, it's over. <laughs> but isn't that a nice feeling? It is a nice feeling. I feel like we sit through so many marathons of, of these days. I don't know if it's like COVID or just the way like TV and film. And everything is so so long. God forbid we get like another Return of the King thing where the movie ends like 35 fucking times, you know? <laughs> yeah, but Return um, of the King was good though. So, you know what? It is good. It is good. It's, you know it's fucking phenomenal. <laughs> but like... That movie fades to black like 90 times in a row in the last like like, hour. I'm like, all right. (laughs) But it is a masterpiece. So what what can you actually say about that? I know one kind of thing that I've I've seen people complaining about, which I don't think it bugs me as much. um, The fact that like you don't actually see the family get back together by the end of this movie, right? Yeah. Evelyn and, and Marcus are off in the bunker while... Emmett and, and Reagan are at the, the island, right? But you, you just kind of assume they'll end up back together somehow. I mean, not everything needs to be tied up in a bow, right? Yeah, that, so. that could not bother me less. I, I do not care. I, I feel like Krasinski is a fan of the uh, Linklater Before series. Because the, those movies do something very similar. Like, uh, Krasinski's done this in both movies, right? Like, he leaves you on this kind of hopeful but very cliffhangery ending right where you don't exactly know what happens to the characters like the first one is like emily blunt like cocks that shotgun and mm-hmm. you know those two aliens are coming for them and this one it's like 
they just defeated the aliens, but like the family isn't together. Like what happens to the family? Do they get back together? Like, I think he he kind of smartly leaves door open for more story. Yeah. I mean, it's a similar ending too, because Reagan leaves her, her hearing aid on the mic, right? Mm-hmm. So that it can broadcast to other people so they can use the sound to, to fight the aliens. I think that's what we're supposed to take away from that, I think. Yeah. Because that's like a radio station, radio station. Yeah. Because that was broadcasting to, to a lot of different places, so... But imagine that's just like a small sector of people. Like, how many people are still like? I would be scared to turn on a radio, right? Yeah, and is like, anyone, yeah, yeah. Would anyone know that that's the weakness? Like, it's not. It doesn't really fully. Don't connect all the dots there. But whatever. But whatever. I, th- I think that's fine. I think that's maybe where a, th- a third one would come in, right? Um, yeah. I kind of want to talk about this movie's press junket, where people were super rude to Emily Blunt, asking her about fucking Fantastic Four eighty times in a row. <laughs> I think that's, like, super fucked up, because, like, they work so hard on this movie, and just asking her about, like, fucking fan casting that she has no part of, and it's, like, not even, like, real. Wait, what happened? I didn't even hear about this. So, they did this press junket where Emily Blunt was doing, like, a series of interviews, and, like, every single one of the interviewers asked her about Fantastic Four, and, like, whether she was going to do it or not, and it's not even real, it's just fucking fans casting that movie. And then she kind of lost it a little bit where she was like, she didn't lose it, but she was like, yo, you're like the fourth person to ask me that's like enough, you know? And people were like, well, that's your job. You should be talking about whatever these interviews want to talk about. But like, I don't know. I feel like you're on the press junket for A Quiet Place 2. So maybe talk about A Quiet Place 2 and not something that's not even fucking real. Like Marvel didn't even announce that shit. It's just fans conjecture, you know? And fan it's like fan casting you know yeah she's she's sick of answering that question and and i feel like everywhere she goes people are probably asking her about that because i think john krasinski and emily blunt are like the dream casting for fantastic fours as as reed richards and and uh sue no i totally agree i mean the focus should be you know this movie yeah they worked so hard on this movie it was delayed twice just stick on topic what PR person for this movie wants you to be asking questions for not this movie, right? Like, if you're going to be know. showing a clip for this movie and showing interviews for this movie, you don't want to be asking about Fantastic Four or whatever other movie. You want to... I would find that completely useless to me because I want to hear her talk about A Quiet Place. Like, you know, I yeah. watch... I, I like watching, you know, those those things I mentioned earlier because I love, like, learning about, like, film process and, like, what goes behind, like, making film. Like, the last thing I want to know is, like, oh, you talk about something that's not this yeah, I yeah, I think that, that is disgusting. Is there anything else you guys? I honest, I I had something and I can't remember what it was, so I'm gonna kill myself later when I figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Strange Harbors next week coming to you with two podcasters. <laughs> How about we end with a, a movie starring a hearing impaired actress that should have made itself accessible to hearing impaired people? How about we end with that? <laughs> Thank you. No, but that bring up a good point. I mean, she is a great actress. I. Don't know what she's in next, but I am definitely looking forward to seeing more stuff and definitely following her career. Yeah, definitely very emotive actress. I, I, I think she's fantastic in this. Great find for the casting director or John Krasinski or whoever found her and put her in this. She's she's so great. Really carry that movie on her back. I mean, it's not like Emily Blunt and Noah Jupiter are, are slouches, but but this was her movie and, and she oh, yeah. did a great job. That. Vanity Fair thing I watched, like he talks about how you know the lead 
shifts to her, right? She does essentially become the lead of this movie. And that was a conscious choice on him to make her the lead, which uh, all praise to him too for that. All right. Well, if there's nothing else, I think that will conclude this week's episode. Uh, Jeff, where can people find you? You can find me on my blog at strangeharbors.com. And you can also find me on Twitter and Instagram at strangeharbors. What about you guys? You can find me here on the podcast, apparently without Derek next week. (laughs) (laughs) What about you, Derek? Uh, Well, you can find me at the wrong Dake. Dake's called D-A-Y-I-K. And that's for Instagram and Twitter. If you like this podcast, the easiest way to support our podcast is to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or any of the other popular podcast apps. If you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, please do us a favor and give us a great star rating. It really helps to get our podcast out to more people. Yeah. And if you have questions, comments, suggestions, anything you want to say to us for A Quiet Place Part 2, feel free to shoot us an email at jeff at strangeharbors.com. Uh, we like to read our, read listener mail and, and sometimes read it out on the pod. So feel free to send us that email. And with that, we will see you guys next week. Okay. See you next week. See you guys then.